I was a youth pastor for 20 years here at Harvest Time, and so I could tell you lots and lots of stories uh, of um, adventures that we went on, trips that we went on, and uh, today I'm going to be talking about fragrance, and I could tell you stories about fragrances as a youth pastor. Um, <laughs> And I could tell on some people here uh, within those content within that context as well. But I I just remember in 2010 a trip that that we went on. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever taken a, a group out of the country um, as far as on an extended trip out of the country. We'd been to Mexico, we'd been to Canada, but um, we went to Honduras and and took a group of youth. And there's I think 25 of us, including adults. And uh, as we were there. One of the things that we would notice as we were going around from uh, village to village and, and just place to place was that the Honduran people would open, make open fires, uh, like a fire pit, or they would have just fires that they didn't have a fire pit. They just make a fire and and either cook on it or or whatever. And uh, they also had in their homes these uh, adobe ovens that were just amazing, incredible. Uh, how they would make food with those and. It was awesome to, to watch that. And they would, they would always use wood. And so there was always this, in the air, a fragrance of burning wood. And uh, I just, every time now that I'm home, and I'm back here in the States, and I smell burning wood, it takes me right back to Honduras. And it takes me right back to a time where God spoke into my life, where God transformed my soul, and where God has, 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 has given me an open heart and an open eye and open eyes to, to what he's doing, not just here in the United States, but globally. And uh, that fragrance, that fragrance of an of a, of a open fire immediately takes me to a place of God moving in my life. And, and, and I know that, that fragrances mean a great deal to us, especially here in the United States. And the reason I say that is because just on perfume and cologne alone, last year we spent over $500 million on perfume and cologne as, as Americans. We spent $1.5 billion on deodorant. Praise God. I'm just saying. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, think about that. $1.5 billion on deodorant. $2.6 billion on air fresheners and potpourri. That, that's almost, that, you put those numbers together. We're talking about $4 billion that we spend on fragrance in the United States. And that doesn't even include Febreze or, or softener or detergent or anything else like that, that's just those scents. Fragrance is a big deal. And, and some of you all, and it was awesome because after service, some people were coming up to me afterwards and they're like, oh man, this cologne brings me back to that, this memory. And this perfume brings me back. And, and they had all these stories about different smells that would bring them to a point of remembering. Listen, studies have even done, been done that show that specific scents 
can evoke strong emotional memories and activate our brain in unique ways. The olfactory system, responsible for our sense of smell, directly links the brain's areas associated with memory and emotion. And just to prove that a little bit further, God uses fragrance as reminders and as things that, I mean, we see it all throughout Scripture. The Bible even talks about that our prayers are a a sweet aroma unto God. And so in Luke chapter 22, for example, Peter is about to deny Jesus. Jesus has been seized and he has been taken to a high priest's home. And verse 55 of Luke chapter 22, it says, And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And so there, there was a fire built in the courtyard of, of this place. They all sit down, and Peter sits down, and then individuals start to say to Peter, Peter, hey, you're one of those guys that was hanging out with Jesus. And he denies them, each one of them, and there's three, and he denies them three times. And then listen to this, verse 61, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine? And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. There is no question in my mind that the smell of that charcoal, and that's what it says, it says burning wood, fire, there's significance in that. Why? Because if you go to John chapter 20 or 21, there is a, another story of Jesus appearing to his disciples and he, they're, they're out fishing and he tells them to come in and let's have breakfast. And check this out, verse 9, when they got on land, they saw a fire in place where fish were laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you just caught and let's have, let's basically, let's have breakfast. So Jesus and Peter and a fire and there's other people around. And you know what Jesus does? Y'all cannot tell me that that's dink. There is no dink with God. There isn't. And what does Jesus do? Jesus in verse 15, three times says to Peter, do you love me? And you gotta, you gotta believe, I gotta believe that Peter's, that, that smell of the wood is going through his mind and he's thinking, oh man. It, it, and it takes him right back to the point of when he failed Jesus and he denied Jesus. And there's no question in my mind Satan is going, you're a loser, Peter. I don't doubt that. Why? Why? Because I've been there myself. And, and he takes him to this point. And what I love about what God can do is he can transform the worst time of our life into a significant and amazing thing. And what God doesn't do is he doesn't define us by our worst moment. Aren't you glad? He doesn't define us by our worst moment, but he transforms us into what he can do in and through us. And so he asked Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter 
adamantly, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And Jesus restores Peter. And there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that the significance of that, that fire was a smell that brought back some serious emotions and serious, serious situation for Peter. And God used it to radically transform his life. God's call in our lives is to be a sweet aroma, a fragrance for God toward others. How do I know that? Check out, if you would, Ephesians chapter 5. Turn there. Open to it. Open to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to ask a question, and this is not, okay, so let me just be really clear. The rest of what I'm talking about is not a hygiene talk, okay? We're not, we're not talking about that today. Um, if you need that, we'll talk about that some other time, but not today. So this question, what fragrance does your life give off? I'm not talking about your, your body odor, okay? I'm talking about your spiritual fragrance because every one of you have it. Um, every one of you has a spiritual fragrance. Whether you want to uh, believe that or not, you do, and... And you can ask yourself this question, what fragrance does my life give off? Check out, check out Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Now what's interesting is, in, in the context of, of this passage, what's happening is that that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's writing to them because they are a, a church that is smack dab in a culture that is running from God. Everything about the Roman culture is, is defying God, is against God, is, is not about turning to the one true living God. It, it's, it's all about all about sensuality and all about ourself and all about what we want and how we want it and when we want it and with whomever we want. And, and it's all about what can I do to, to run away from God? And this church is right smack dab in the middle of Ephesus, which is right smack dab in the middle of a culture that is anti-God, that is running from God. And, and, and I don't know about you, but this church, these people are struggling with finding their identity in Jesus Christ rather than in the culture that surrounds them. And what do I mean by that? I mean that, that what's happening out in the world is spilling over into their soul. And they're wrestling with the struggle that comes from, I want to serve God, I want to follow God, I want to be a sweet aroma for God, I want to be one who has a fragrance that reflects Jesus, but I live in a culture that tells me everything opposite, and I'm not sure which one I want to go, which way I want to go, how I want to be defined, and I'm wrestling with one day or one moment feeling like, yes, I love Jesus, but then the next moment feeling like, I really like what I just did. Or I really like what I just saw. 
or I really like what that person just told me. And, and they're wrestling with this so much so that there's division within the body of Christ because some people are getting it that they need to be a bridge builder, that they need to be a sweet aroma to God, that they need to be someone who loves God and loves people and does something about it. And then there's others in the church that are like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing. And, and Paul is writing them and saying, listen, the most important thing that you can do is be unified and be an example of Jesus. So he says to them, here's how, Ephesians 5, 1, be an imitator of God as beloved children. How do I imitate God? What does it mean to imitate God? Well, what we need to understand is, is what it doesn't say here. It doesn't say think about God. It doesn't say admire God. It doesn't say adore God. It says imitate God. What does that mean to imitate? It means very simply this, that God is our, he is our example and he is our model and you and I are to follow after him and when he goes left, I go left. When he goes right, I go right. When he stops, I stop. Whatever he is instructing me to do, that's what he wants me to do and I need to be obedient to that. As an imitator of God, I need to let God so saturate my soul, so saturate my life, that when people look at me, they see and hear and feel and understand a little bit more of who Jesus is and, and through and in my life. That doesn't mean that I'm perfect. That doesn't mean that I've got it all together. That just means I'm striving to follow after Jesus. Am I being an imitator of God? See, here's the problem, though. You cannot imitate what you do not know. You cannot imitate what you do not know. And if you're not spending time in the Word of God, if you're not spending time getting to know God, if you're not spending time getting to know who is it that I'm imitating, how could you possibly imitate him in a way that would reflect Jesus? You cannot imitate what you do not know. And here's the thing that, that, that I want to ask you is, what's keeping you from that? What's keeping you from... From spending time with God. What's, what's, what's keeping you from getting into his word? And, and I, I want to challenge you with something. Something that I've been challenged with. And so I'm going to challenge you with it. You know one of the things I think that keeps us from getting to know God. Is right here. This little bad boy. That just about probably everybody in this room has one. Yours may not look like mine. But that's okay. How, how many of us. When, when we get up in the morning, one of the first things you do is you grab your phone and you start looking at text messages, emails, instant messages. I had somebody come up to me after at the first service and they're like, I get up every morning and I look at the news on my phone. And I said, how does that make you feel? Depressed? Hmm. How many of us, one of the very first things we do is we pick up this thing and we start looking at all the whatevers that, listen, are all about trying to distract you away from God. Now, you're like, well, I use my phone for connecting with God. Okay, cool. Whatever. I'm not getting legalistic here. I'm just saying to you, listen, here's the challenge. 
put it down. Don't even pick it up. If it's that big a problem for you, get a paper Bible <laughs> and get into it. If it's, if it's that big of an issue for you, don't, don't look at the emails. Don't look at the text messages. Don't look at the instant messages. Don't look at the news feed. Get into the word of God. Let that be the first thing you do. Let that be the first thing your mind connects with. Because even like I was talking with a guy afterwards, and he was saying, and I was saying something to him about the news, and he's like, he's like, and then I find so often that I've been scrolling through and looking at all the news and reading about all the news that then I end up not having any time for God. And I'm like, and how's your mindset for the day? And he goes, it stinks. Because everything in the news is horrible. So I'm like, dude, stop looking at it first thing in the morning. He's like, I, I really want to do that. So here's a challenge over the next week. Do not look at your phone first thing in the morning. Make Jesus time first time. And, and then, would you do me a favor? Would you please let me know how that went? You're like, oh my gosh, it started my, it was awesome. And here's, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you choose to do this, Satan is going to come after you. He is. He's going he's gonna to make you think, I have just got to answer that email that somebody sent me during the night. Listen, if they send it during the night, it is not that important that you have to answer it the first thing in the morning. I'm just saying. It's not. I'm not saying you don't have to get to it. I'm not saying you're not going to answer it. I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just saying, if it's a problem, then don't pick it up. Don't pick it up. So there's a challenge. Don't pick it up. Spend time with God. You cannot imitate what you do not know. Notice what he says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Do you know children are supernatural imitators? They are champions of imitating. Y'all have heard the phrases, acorns don't fall too far from trees. Y'all heard that? Y'all have heard it. That's a chip off the old block there. You ever heard of, oh, they, they get that honest. Y'all, if you need a mirror to look in, look at your kids. Just saying. I, why do I know that? Because I have one of my children drives just like me. And I'm not proud of that. I'm not. I'm not. And I won't tell you which one it is. Some of y'all know. Um, y'all, just look at your kids. And, and, and here's, some, here's another, another thing that, that's really interesting, I think, is we hear this often, more is caught than often taught with your kids. Caught. So if I'm in relationship with God and I'm, I'm imitating him and I'm striving to know him more and I'm striving to, to get to know him more, then, then, then I'm going to catch more of him as I get to know him. Yeah. Acorns don't fall too far from trees. God's the best tree. Produces the best acorns. And, and so why don't I want to follow after him? Um, the other thing that, that's really interesting with, with kids is, and, and with God is, is that proximity matters. So I lit this candle as a, as a representation of that. How, how many of y'all can smell this candle? Okay, no, nobody. Um, it's salted coconut and mahogany. It's amazing. 
I've been standing here just drooling, honestly. I'm just like, <gasps> um, I can smell it. Why can I smell it and you can't? Because I'm closer. Because I'm closer. And, and here's the deal. Like Some of y'all get up and you start. I had some people after first service. They wanted to come up and smell my candle. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, so they came up and they, they went, <gasps> you know, as they got closer, they could smell it. And see, the closer I get, I'm not, don't worry. I don't have any product in my hair. Everything's going to be okay. So I get closer. I can smell it even better. Prox- Why? Because proximity matters. Your proximity to God, your closeness to God matters in that you will smell the aroma of God. And if you're imitating God, then the aroma of God will seep through your life, your soul, into the lives of others around you. And you, my friend, like Jesus, will be a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And that's why it matters, because if we're going to be bridge builders, if we're going to be the kind of people that are connecting to Christ, then we need to be imitating Christ. And what what does it say? It says, walk in love. Verse 2, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. This connects back to chapter 4. Chapter 4 is loaded. I'm not going to go through all chapter 4. There's no way, but I'm going to look at one verse. Verse 32 of chapter 4. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. One of the key things here is forgiveness. Forgiving one another. Forgiving as God has in Christ forgave us. What does that mean? Does that mean that God condones sin? Does that mean that God says sin is okay? That, that what you did to him to make him be able to be the one that died on the cross and be nailed to a cross and die for our sins and all that, that that somehow is okay? Not at all. Nowhere in Scripture does Jesus ever okay sin. But, but the beauty of, of what Jesus does is, is that he says to us throughout his word, I'll forgive you. I'll remove it as far as the east is from the west, and I'll remember it no more, and I won't hold it against you any longer. I set you free. He never says the sin is okay, but he forgives us, and he sets us free. Love like that. Be tenderhearted like that. Be kind like that. Be willing to forgive like that. Walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us. And that, my friend, is what it means to imitate God. And as a result, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Listen, the big question that we need to ask ourselves is, does my life imitate Jesus Does my life imitate Jesus? I've said it so many times, I I, I know, but I'm never going to stop saying it because it's such a good thing. My dad always used to say to me, son, you may be the only Jesus some people ever see. And then he would always ask the follow-up question, what Jesus are you showing them today? You know, it's not just today. Every moment. I don't know about y'all. My struggles are not just today and tomorrow. My struggles are moment by moment. Moment by moment. I'm so glad that God doesn't define us by our worst moments because, man, some of the thoughts that go through my head, 
I'm so glad other people can't read them. <laughs> Some of the words that are on my tongue before I say them, man, I'm so glad that people can't hear them. But you know who does? God. Every idle word, every thought that pops into your head, God knows it completely. And you know what's crazy? He still loves you. He still loves you. He still loves you so much he was willing to die for you and me. Does your life imitate Jesus? I'm going to ask you, would you just close your eyes, bow your head. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, what he's revealed to you and said, this is what I want you to do. Maybe it has something to do with your thought life. Maybe it has something to do with your words. Maybe it has something to do with, I don't know. Spending time with him, putting the phone down. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's going to be some people up here at the front. There's going to be some people at the back. We're just here to pray with you. We're not here to judge you or shame you into anything or guilt you into something. We're just here to pray with you. Maybe you want to come forward. You want prayer. That's cool. But maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, I, I really don't want to go forward. Well, turn to the person next to you and ask them to pray for you. Or maybe you're feeling a nudge to pray for the person next to you. Then why not just turn and say, hey, can I pray for you? You don't have to even know what it is. You don't even have to know their name. You can just turn and say, hey, can I pray for you? You can just pray for them. God knows their name. God knows what's going on in their, in their brain. He knows everything. Just be obedient. So whatever it is that God is, is doing... Um, this is the time to do business with him. Don't let it slip by. Don't let it slip by. He wants to take and make the most of every opportunity. God, thanks. Thanks that, that no matter what, you love me. No matter what I think, no matter what I do, no matter what I say, no matter what I don't do, you're, you still love me. Nothing changes that. I'm, thank, I'm so thankful your word says that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you for that. God, thank you that you sent your son as a sacrifice for our sin. You, you paid the way for our sin. You paid the debt that I cannot pay. Thank you. God, if there's somebody here today, they don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you, and they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus. Not in the church. Not in baptism, not in catechism, not in some other ism, but in you. God, I pray that they might put their faith and trust in Jesus here today, right now, in this moment. For those of us that say we have, we've put our faith and trust in you. God, would you help us to examine our lives and ask ourselves, are we imitating Jesus? Maybe there's an area of, of your my life, your life, our lives that isn't. And so, God, would you just show it to us? we, like David, just say, there's a wicked way in me. God, show me what that is. I, I want to just follow you. I know that looks messy. But God, thanks that 
even in my mess, you take that and, and you make it into beauty. I don't know how you do that. You're, you're awesome. <laughs> so incredible. Thank you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you can take this time, this moment, and transform my life for all of eternity. Do that work in us. Let's stand. Let's sing.